about the Father's love for us. And all day, uh, we've been talking about the gospel. It's been mentioned time and time. And uh, it's just amazing how God works things out. <clears throat> because I want to talk to you about similar, uh, along that similar line about salvation, what it means to be saved. Uh, if, we ever, uh, if we ever saw and could picture Jesus Christ on the cross change our life. It changed your life. It changed the way you look at things. It changed the way you see things. It changed the way you see people, other people. And I'm going to tell you that uh, uh, there's no greater love, no greater picture of love than what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We ever see, I mean, if we could just ever get a glimpse of that, I'll tell you, it would, uh, it would revolutionize the way we think. Did I tell you all to turn to Matthew? Well, I should have followed my own advice and turned there with you. So, give me just a second. Alright, Matthew chapter number 24. Now, as we look at Matthew 24, uh, we're going to read a passage of Scripture that points back to the Old Testament. But I want you to know and I want you to understand that this passage of Scripture is not talking about the rapture. Okay, it's talking about the second coming. Now on God's timeline, our timeline, the next great event that's going to happen is the rapture of the church. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together uh, to meet them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In other words, the dead are going to rise. We as Christians are going to join them and, and, and go up to be with the Lord forever. That's the next great event that's going to happen uh, here. Uh, by the way, that, that event will be hidden from the world. The Bible says that uh, the, the lost are going to be left behind. No saved people will be left here. All saved people will be taken. That's, that event is, will be hidden from the world. All right? So then, the next thing that's going to happen after that is seven years of tribulation period here upon this earth. And then the second coming of the Lord. The Lord is going to come back, and this time He's coming back, and He's going to touch down on this earth, and He's going to set up His kingdom here on this earth. Okay, And that is the, that is the, uh, the reference here that we're talking about here, this second coming. This, this that I'm talking about is pointing to the second coming. So what I'm trying to get you to see here is when it talks about this passage of Scripture here, it, and it's going to say, as it was in the days of Noah, it's, it's going to, what it's telling us is that in Noah's day, it was so bad. It was so bad that the Lord said, I've got to do something. I've got to stop this from happening. And so that, uh, when, when, he, when that happened, that took place, then, of course, you know, Noah built the ark and all those kind of things. But in this, if this passage that we're reading here, the second coming means that uh, after the tribulation period, there's going to be a period of time, just a few short years, and then the Lord is going to come back. 
And that's what he's talking about here. That's what he's, that's what he's referencing. That's what he's pointing to. So I want you to understand that. That a lot of times people look for signs. People, uh, as, uh, as uh, Brother Stephen was preaching uh, during Sunday school, talking about signs that Jews require a sign. They want to see something. People, by the way, we want to see things too. Sometimes we, we like to see things happen and see things too. But uh, the Lord is not giving us signs. You know, we say uh, there's, you know, the way, the way things are going, you know, all these signs that we see and all that. Uh, listen, we're not looking for signs. We're not, we're not looking and waiting for a sign to happen so we can know that the Lord is coming. He says, I'm coming and don't worry about don't worry about any signs because I'm not going to give you and I'm just going to come. All right, but here there's signs, there's things that's going to happen and things that's taking place here, and he's he's referencing that. So I want you just just so you'll stay with me here, be with me on this passage, Matthew 24. Look at verse number uh, uh, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man. Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Now, really all this is talking about here is that they were just living their daily life. They were just going through the routine. They were going through the normal things that they always did. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. All right. So, like I said, this is pointing to the second coming of Christ. This is not the rapture. So don't, don't be thinking, don't be thinking something great's going to happen and then the rapture's going to take place. Not that at all. The rapture could take place at any moment. Alright? So don't get, those, don't get those two confused. Alright? Now, he says back in the days of Noah, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, just like it was back then. Everything going on. Everything was going on just like normal. Everything was going on routine. But there was a warning. There was a there was a there was a forth telling. Hey, Jesus is coming back soon, or the Lord is coming back. Be ready, be prepared. And you know what? They ignored that warning. They ignored it. They just went on their daily routine. They went on with their daily life. All right. Now turn over just a couple books to the book of Romans. Acts, Romans, uh, Romans chapter one. Romans chapter 1, look at, let's start reading in verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in their unrighteousness. This passage of Scripture, this verse of Scripture is telling us that man knows he is born with this knowledge, he is born with this understanding that sin or wrongdoing brings judgment. Now, he may not understand all there is about it. He may not comprehend that, you know, this is God working, uh, God's righteousness and God's holiness and all that. He, 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 he didn't necessarily understand all that. But man knows if he does something wrong, there's a payment for that. There's a judgment of some kind. There's a penalty for that, okay? Let's uh, continue reading because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power 
and Godhead so that they are what? Without excuse. This is talking about the lost world. The lost world knows that there is a penalty for sin. There is, some, there is judgment for sin. There has, to, there has to be a reckoning for sin. All right? Like I said, now they don't, I, I'm sure they don't understand everything about it, but they know right from wrong, and they know if, if wrong is committed, something has to be done to justify that or record, rectify, rectify that. All right? And he says that. Uh, God has been placed in him. God is in them. God has showed it to them. Listen, there's something missing from man when he's born. And that, that thing that's missing is God. A relationship with God. Man knows about... You can go, you can go to any place on the planet that you want to. And you will find people worshiping something. They're looking for something. They're wanting something. They're wanting a relationship with a higher power, higher, higher being or something. They don't understand all there is about it, but there is something within those people and they've never heard, about the, they've never heard the gospel. They don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about Jesus, but yet they're searching for something. There's a longing inside of man. He is born with that. That's what Romans 1 is telling us. And because... Man is born with a God consciousness. He is without excuse. What does it mean without excuse? It means if he, were to, if he were to die and stand before God and said, God, I did not know. God would say, that's not true. That's not true. You knew there was a God. You knew that. Now, I'm, you know, like I said, he doesn't understand the Bible. He didn't have a copy of the Bible like we do. But God says, because, because I have put this within you. You've seen the stars. You've seen the heavens. You've seen how this, uh, the thing, nature uh, works. You know that that can't just happen by itself. By the way, folks, there is no such thing as an atheist. Not, tr- not really. He knows. He knows. He knows. You cannot deny it. These people that believe that say evolution, you can mark it down. They have deceived themselves. They're they're lying. They're they're not being honest, folks. Listen. People know. They understand. There's a God, and because of that, God says they are without excuse. You are without excuse. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, and you do not know. Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've never accepted Him as uh, your personal Savior. You are without excuse. By the way, you are more without excuse than most pe- than other people because you've heard, you've heard. You have a uh, most of us have a copy of the Bible, or you've been around. You've heard. You've heard uh, the gospel. Now turn back to the Book of Genesis as we look, we saw in. Matthew there, the reference to that. Genesis chapter number 6. And here in uh, Genesis chapter 6, we find, we find what it was like, or we're going to see some things, what it was like back in the days of Noah, because here is, we're going to, find, we're going to learn some things, to see some things about Noah. Matthew chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 6, 
And we're going to begin reading verse number 3. The Bible says, And the Lord said, My spirit... Now, the Lord is talking to... He's talking to Noah. Uh, The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be... Uh, shall be a hundred and twenty years. Look down to verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. Verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Can I tell you just as a, as a note, the reason that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord was because he sought after the Lord. He walked with, he, he walked with God. He sought after the Lord. Let's bow for prayer if we could. Ask the Lord to bless and speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, as we come before you today, Lord, we would ask that you take the reading of your word and, Lord, the message today. Lord, you'd use it to speak to each and every heart here this morning. Lord, thank you for everybody that's come out this morning, praying that you'd bless. and Lord, just uh, that, uh, Lord, the message would be for each and every person here this morning. Now, Lord, I know it is, but, Lord, help people, people to open their hearts. Help people to receive the message that you have for them this morning. And, Lord, we're sure going to thank you for what you do now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, most of us would in here to this morning, I would, I, would say it, I would say or suspect that most people in here would claim to be saved this morning. And, and I hope, I wish we could say, and I, I, I wish I knew, and I don't know, but I wish I could say that everybody in here, hopefully everybody in here is saved this morning, but I never assumed that. I never take for granted that there are always, even people that are in church, people that are members of the church, there's that just because you're a member and you're here this morning doesn't make you saved, right? I remember myself, and I may have said this before, but just to say it again, uh, I was a member of Calvary Baptist Church. My wife and I both were. We were members of Calvary. And uh, we'd been going there. We'd been going there for a pretty good while. But you know what? I joined lost, and I stayed lost until the day uh, as a member of Calvary Baptist Church, I walked forward and got saved at that church. At that church, my church where I was a member. And I'd been there, I'd been going there for years. And uh, yet I was, I was lost. And I had to be saved. You know, by the way, folks, everybody, there has to come a time in everybody's life where we realize that we're lost and we realize that we can't save ourselves and we realize there's only one way that we can get to heaven, and that is trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried. He arose again the third day. And the Bible tells us that if we put our faith and trust in Him, not in anything that we could do, not in church membership, baptism, you name it, doing good, giving money, none of that is going to help you get to heaven. Jesus Christ is the one and only way to get to heaven. And so we have to, all of us have to come that way. We have to trust Him as Savior. And so, most of us in here this morning would say, yes, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven. And I would say, amen, I'm, I'm thankful for that. That's great. But, like I said, uh, you never know. And by the way, 
uh, if this is going out by live stream or if it's being recorded uh, and people would have access to it later on, you know what? You never know who's going to watch a video, who's going to be flipping through the channels, who's going to be going through things and look at this and say, you know what, I'll just listen. That guy, that guy don't look like he has good sense anyway, but maybe he has uh, something to say that, I could, that would, uh, that would uh, make sense to me. So whatever, you know, you just never know. So uh, if, if you're here this morning and you're lost, I want you to know the message this morning is a warning. It's a warning to the lost. Here's the warning. Time is short. You don't know. You do not know. If you'll ne- ever have another opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior. You just don't know. Nobody knows if they'll if they'll walk out those doors and walk back through those doors again. Nobody knows that. Proverbs, and it just went out of my mind. The the reference. I can't think of the I can't think of the reference. I think it's twenty seven one. Uh, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Nobody knows what this day is going to bring forth. Time is short. Trust Christ as your Savior now. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't delay. All right? But a reminder to the... What about, what about to the saved? It's a reminder to the saved to be busy telling other people's, people about Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's kind of been the theme this morning. And by the way, I didn't know that ahead of time because I didn't talk to any of these guys. They didn't talk to me. They didn't tell me what they were going to be talking about or singing about this morning. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but God did. God talked to him, God talked to him, and God talked to me. And put us all on the same page. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing how God works those things out? So you know what that tells me? That tells me that somebody needs to hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin. And I tell you, this, is a, this would be a great time, a great day to be saved. Trust Christ as your Savior. All right, and so let's look at let's look at this morning uh, the the times of Noah, the times of Noah. Okay, uh, so uh, as the days of Noah, as it as it was, so shall it be. Do you know that there's going there is coming a day when the world will be so wicked that God will say enough is enough. You know what? That sounds like today, doesn't it? You know, uh, every time it seems like. You turn on the TV. Every time you listen to the news, you hear something and you think to yourself, how can it get any worse? It can't get any worse. And it's just, I mean, it's just continuously like that. By the way, can I tell you, in rural Virginia, just like it is in rural North Carolina, in my little old country town, uh, that we're, we are sheltered. Mo- by and large, most of us are sheltered people. Now, I've, I, 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 I love to read I love to read books and there's there's just certain kind of books that you know just you know that I'm attracted to and that kind of thing and I, I read I read books uh, but I'll, I'll never forget this book that I read and it's been it's been years ago since I've read it but I but I, I think about it often it was about and by the way uh, not not criticizing not con, you know saying one thing about another but uh, I don't I do not believe in in Roman Catholicism I do not believe in the Catholic Church. Just want you to know that ahead of time. But there was a book that was written by a man, and I think his name, he, called, he addressed himself. We know that, you know, there's, we sh- we're not supposed to do that, but uh, he was called Father Ritter. And I, can't, I, think that's, I think that was his name, but don't quote me on that. And so this man, was, he, he wrote a book. Uh, he was writing, telling about his life. 
And this was written back, I think, I want to say back in the 70s. And, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s, something like, somewhere, somewhere along there. And what had happened is he went to New York City, and he was there to visit somebody, and uh, he, was, he was visiting them, this, that, and the other. And uh, for whatever reason, he had, a place, he had a place there, and he was going to stay for a couple months, two or three months. And when he did, he got to noticing that there was a lot of young people that didn't have places, a place to stay. There was a lot of people, young people that were homeless, that had run away from home. They would went to New York City. They thought they were going to, you know, have a big time, make it rich, whatever, whatever their thoughts were. Wanted just to get away from mom and dad, whatever it was. They just left home, run away, and went to New York City. Got on a bus you know, got off the bus, and there they were. Didn't have a place to stay, nothing. He said there was a lot of people like that. And he goes on to describe how that was. And he said, what happened was, he said, he said, I just, he said, I got so burdened, so concerned for those people. He said, I wanted to start a home. And he said, I, I did that with the, help of the, with the help of the church, the Catholic church there. I started this home. And what would happen is he would go out at night. He would walk the streets of New York, and I mean, I'm talking about, you know, rough sections. Like I said, downtown King, you know, you can walk down downtown King by yourself at night and, and not even, probably even think about it, not even worry about it at all. We're, we're sheltered. He, he was walking, he'd walk down the streets of New York City, and he would go and he would find these children, these young people. By the way, when I talk about children, I'm talking about from 10 years of age, 10 years of age, up to about 15 years of age, walking the streets by themselves at night. And he would walk up to them and say, hey, do you have a place to stay? Do you have food to eat? Do you have clothes? And most of the time they would say, no, no. He said, well, here's a, here's a card with an address. Come, if you need a place to stay, if you need food to eat, if you need clothes, you come. We'll help you. We'll, we'll protect you. We'll, we've, got a, uh, we've got a facility there. We lock the gates. We lock the door so nobody can get in and harm you. If you want to come, you can come. You're welcome to come. No charge. No strings attached. And he said they were, by, they were there by the hundreds. Ten to fifteen, somewhere in that area. He said most of the time they didn't make it to their 16th birthday. They did not live. If they lived on the streets, they did not live past 16 years of age on the street. And he said, he, he said I'll, I'll never forget, and by the way, I'll never forget either, as I was reading this, he said, I turned the corner one day and there was a young man, 10, 12 years of age, come up to me and he said, Sir, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for young people. And he didn't get to finish what he was going to say, but the, the boy said, well, listen, I can get you anything you want. You like boys? You like girls? I can get you whatever you want. You just tell me. I'll bring them to you. That was written back in the 80s. Now, here it is. We're living in 2021. You think it's gotten better or you think it's gotten worse? Read, you read, you listen, you hear about tra uh, child trafficking. It's just kind of come out 
now in the news and stuff like that, but folks, that's been going on for years and years and years. Children bought and sold to people all the time on the streets of one of the major... And by the way, that's just one city. That's just one city. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the world is wicked. The world is an ungodly place. And I just say that to say, folks, can I just tell you that as it was in the days of Noah, God said it was so bad that something had to be done. Judgment had to come. Judgment has to come. And folks, can I just tell you, like I said, sometimes we, 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 we're, we lead a sheltered life in our, in our little rural communities. But folks, I'm telling you, this is a wicked, ungodly place. And God looks down on this world and He says, it's wicked. Judgment has to come. Judgment has to come. Folks, can, I want you to know that. And I, can't, I just cannot believe that it's going to be very much longer. God, I just don't believe, is going to allow this world to keep on going like it, like it is. As it was, so shall it be. Now, I want you to see some things here. I, 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 just, I just find sometimes... It just astounds me as I read the Word of God to see some things that God says in His Word here that sometimes we just read over and we don't really pay attention to them. I want you to see, first of all, God's discernment. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says, And God saw the wickedness. Can you imagine? How many of us, don't raise your hand, how many of us think to ourselves sometimes that we can sin, we can do things, and nobody will know about it. You know what? If we're not careful, even as Christians, even as saved people, even as people that come to church on a regular basis, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll get to the point where we think that we can get by with sin. We can sin and nobody will know about it. Folks, you're wrong. I'm wrong. We cannot do anything that God does not see. God sees what we do. God sees and hears what we say. By the way, folks, God it goes even farther that God knows what you think. He knows your heart. I'm telling listen, don't ever get to the point to where you think that you can do something, say something, think something that nobody knows about. God always knows what we're doing what we're thinking, what we're saying. And folks, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hold myself up as, a, as an example, but I'm just saying, I think to myself, if God sees me for who I really am, what, what would it be like for the lost man who cares nothing about what he thinks, says, or does? I, I, it just, sometimes it just, it just staggers the mind to think about how evil men can be. Men are sinners. Look at what he says in verse number 5 here. He said that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And I, I want to I look at some of these words here real quick. Every, every, look at that word every. Every means without exception. Without exception. Every thought, every imagination of this of the people of this day, every imagination was a wicked 
ungodly thought. It had got to the point to where they couldn't think of anything else but the wickedness, uh, wickedness and, and, and evil imaginations. All right? And then he goes on, he says, only. Only means without, there was no mixture. In other words, there was not a pure thought that came through there. Every only. And then he says, continuously, without intermission. Folks, I'm, I'm telling you, it got to the point to where there was, there was nothing good that ever went through those people's minds. They studied wickedness. They, they dwelt on it. They thought about it. They acted upon it. It was their whole lifestyle. Every waking moment was looking at something that they could do that would, that would be something that would satisfy their flesh. Folks, I'm telling you, that sounds exactly like where we are today. You, you, you can't turn on the TV. You can't, you can't hardly listen to the radio station without hearing something or something being said or some picture of something that tries to get your mind away from God. I'm telling you folks, uh, that sounds exactly like today. Men, men are sinners. God sees what goes on. God sees and knows. Alright? Now I want you to see a second thing. For, that the Bible teaches us, and the Bible tells us that sin is deadly. Now we read over in Romans 1, that man has within himself, he knows that if he does something wrong, even if he considers it sin or not, if it's something wrong, then he knows there is a consequence that goes with that. Now, folks, we, we, we understand that. How many of you, how many of you when, you were, when you were raising your children, well, let, let me ask you this. How many of you have children? Now, I know everybody, not everybody has children, but lot, most of us do. How many of you, when, when you were raising your children, you would get your children and you would bring them and you'd set them down now say and you'd say now son if it gets I mean if somebody's questioning you or you know uh, you're talking or they're talking to you and they're asking some questions and stuff and if you've done something wrong you know you can make up a story and you can get out of that situation if you want to you know if you need to you know you always need to have a story made up in your mind so if somebody puts you on the spot, you can get out of it. You know, how many of you taught your children to lie? Nobody? Kidding me. Well, how many of you taught your children to steal? No? How many of you taught them to be disrespectful? Nobody? Well, how in the world did they learn it? Huh? I'm hearing some things, but I can't, I can't understand what you're saying. It's from school. <laughs> so they went to school to learn that, huh? <laughs> okay. Well, let me, give you the, let me give you a simple answer. They were born that way. They did it just as, nat- it's just as natural as it could be. They could look at you, my children. I could, I, could, I, st- I could sit back and watch them. I'd look at them, and I could see them do something. I'd give them a minute. I'd walk in there and I'd say, Son, did you do that? No, sir, Daddy, I didn't do that. No, sir, Daddy, I didn't. Where'd they get that from? They were taught, not, not taught that by us. They just did it naturally. You know why? 
They were born sinners. Did you know your children were born sinners? And your children sin just like every other child? You know, you look at some children and say, man, them, them guys, they're terrible. Man, look at what they did. Guess what? Your children probably did the same thing. You just didn't catch them. They're, they were slicker than those kids. They, the, you taught them better than those kids did. You know? Listen. Everybody is born a sinner. Everybody. By the way, not only your children, but they, they really inherited that from you. Because you passed it right down to them because that's exactly the way you were. And I was. Folks, listen. We are born sinners. And we didn't wake up one day and sin and say, oh no, they're sinners. No, sir. We were born that way. We were born sinners. Born sinners. And we sin because it's just natural to do. It's just natural. Why? It's our nature. It's our nature to do that. It's our nature to be like that. Uh, and we have, by the way, that's the reason why you have to teach them not to lie. You have to teach them not to steal. You have to teach them to be respectful. They have to be taught all those things. But you know what? Here's the thing. They know, they know, just like you knew and I knew, when we tell a lie, that's wrong. And there is a consequence for it if we get called or somebody finds out. Everybody knows that. You know, it's born, it's born in us. God put that in everybody. God did that, all right? So men or men sin is deadly. Men are sinners and sin is deadly. And so, folks, listen. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 12 says this. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Right? Romans 3.23, for the, uh, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Folks, listen, we're all sinners. We're born that way. Born that way. We, we have a sin nature. We're born that way and we just sin because it's natural for us to do that. Now, we say, well, what difference does that make? Well, I, here, here it is. Here's the, here's the bad part about all that. Romans 6, 23. For the wages, or the payment for sin, is what? Death. Death. Now, you know what most people, a lot of people think? That that's talking about physical death. Talking about physical death. By the way, that it, 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 it does add to that. It does point to that. But can I tell you that the greatest payment, the greatest penalty that anybody could ever have placed on them is, is the spiritual death? You know what spiritual death is? You know what physical death is? Physical death is when the body dies, the soul and spirit separate from this body. Soul and spirit, if you're saved, goes to be with the Lord. If you're lost, soul and spirit will go to hell. Spiritual death, spiritual death is being separated from God forever. Separation. Death is separation. And the wages of sin is spiritual separation from God 
for all eternity. All eternity. That's the, that's the bad part. That's the worst part about this judgment for sin, this penalty for sin. We will be separated from God for all eternity. Folks, some, we're, we are eternal beings. When we, when we are born, we will live somewhere forever. Not here on this earth. Heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. Those are the only two choices. There's no in-between. Alright? Sin is deadly. God judges sin. And back in this day, back in Noah's day, God would send a flood to destroy all people on this earth. Now, why, why did He do that? Because they would not repent. They would not turn to Him. God gave these people... God gave these people years upon years to repent and turn to Him, but they would not. Now, I want us to see, that here's, and here's the last thing. I want us to see this last thing here, and that is about Noah. Noah found grace. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Was, he, was it because he was just such a good man? It wasn't that at all. Noah was a man just like anybody else. Just like anybody. He, there's nothing... There was nothing supernatural about Noah. God didn't look at him and say, Man, he's such a good guy, I want him to be on my team. Wasn't that at all. You know, God, God is no respecter of person. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or, or, or anything about you. God will accept you and take you just like you are. Just like you are. It makes no difference who you are. It makes no difference what you've done. Makes no difference what the past is in your life. God loves you. God will take you just like you are. I was talking to a guy the other day at my at my church. He had come forward in the service. I prayed with him at the altar, and uh, afterwards he'd come up. He wanted to talk to me, and uh, uh, so I, I was I was I was talking to him and I was telling him some things. And by the way, I I never I've never been one, and I I just don't I never have liked to brag on sin. You know, you hear, you hear some people and they give their testimony and, they, and they, they're testifying uh, about all the sin that they used to commit and all the sin they used to be involved in and stuff. And, it's, and sometimes it's, it's almost, like, almost like they're bragging a little bit. You know, I've done all these things. But I just, have never, I just never have really liked to talk about my past. I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed of the things that I've done. And uh, and so this is uh, this is one of my this is one of my dis, distant relatives. He's in the church and all. And I was talking, like I said, I was talking to him, and uh, and I was telling him some things because I knew what was going on in his life. And I said, and I and I was telling him, I said, well, you know, I, I've did I've did some of these same things that you've done. And he he looked, he you could tell he he thought, well, man, you're a preacher, you can't do stuff like. Well, this was before I was a preacher. You know, as a preacher, I, you know, you wouldn't want him to do. You wouldn't want him to do that anyway. Those kind of things. But you could tell he just he looked at me like I would never. You know, you never know what's in people's past, but you know what doesn't make any difference. God loves you just like you are. God, God will forgive you. You you remember what Paul said? Paul said, "I am the chief of sinners." I'm the chief of sinners. In other words, in Paul's estimation, and Paul was one of the greatest Bible uh, 
people we have, person in the Bible. He wrote most of the New Testament, and on and on. Started churches, great missionary. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people saved as a result of his men. And, you know, just go on and on. Paul was a great person. We would look at him and say, man, he's one of the heroes. And yet Paul would say of himself, I, I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. So it makes no difference who you are, what you are, or what you've done. God loves you. God loves us in spite of who we are. Not because of who we are, but, but because He loves us. That's, that, that's, just, that's just very nature. So, the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I'm just going to tell you, Noah, Noah found grace because he, he sought after God. He walked with God. He, he walked with God and he found mercy. Now, Enoch, the Bible tells us, Enoch is described as a man that walked, he, he was a man that walked with God. And he, no doubt he had a great influence on Noah's life, but Noah walked with God also. And God, because of his testimony, because of his love for God, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. By the way, man sought wickedness and he was judged as a result of it. Alright? So, Noah found grace. Now, I want to give you some things here. You know, God set up roadblocks, as it were, all along the highway of life for these people. This, this right here is a great picture, a great example of the long-suffering of, Lord, of the Lord. Methuselah lived to be 969 years. He was the, he was the oldest living man that we have record of, Methuselah. The name Methuselah means when he dies, it cometh. When he dies, it cometh. And so, by the way, Bible names meant, way, you know, they, they, there was a lot of thought that went into Bible names. And they, they named uh, people, uh, the names that they chose for people back in this day had a, had a tremendous meaning behind it. And Methuselah was one of those names. When he dies, it cometh. Now, I'm, I want you to see the reason that he lived longer than any other man was because God was long-suffering and God was patient with man. Because when Methuselah died, the judgment of God was getting ready to come. So Methuselah lived to be 969 years old longer than any man that we have record of. And the Bible says when he, according to his own name, when he dies, it's coming. What's coming? Judgment's coming. And so I believe without a doubt, God let him live longer than anybody else because he wanted to give man greater opportunity to be saved, to turn to him. Not only, not only did he let Methuselah live long and give that name indicating that, hey, God's judgment was coming. But he, he set up roadblocks all along the way. He put an ark as a roadblock to these people in this day. By the way, this, this, this illustration here, this picture that we see here, has been used for, throughout all the ages of a testimony of the long-suffering of God. And the judgment was going to come, and God was going to judge sin. Now, you, th you think about this. I don't, know how, I don't know how long this building is. Does anybody know how long this building is? 
I mean, I, I don't know. But it's, 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 it's a good-sized building, right? Uh, good-sized building. But the ark was 450 feet long. Uh, it, it's, it was this over the size of a football field. It was 50 foot tall. I think it was 75 foot wide. This is a huge... Now, by the way, they didn't have a crane back in Noah's day. Did y'all know that? There was no cranes. Crane, you know, lift up heavy stuff and build it. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about like I said, 50 foot tall. That's, that's up there. They, by the way, I suspect they didn't have a 50 foot ladder back in that day. They had to build that. But here, God told Noah, He said, Noah, I want you to build this ark, and I'm going to tell you how big to build it. I'm going to tell you, how, I'm going to tell you the size of it. And he did. 450 foot long, 50 foot tall, 75 foot wide. I mean, it's huge. All right? So, if you were to go out and you were to look around, now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fisherman. I love to go fishing. And everywhere I go, I'm always looking for water. I look for a pond. As I'm driving up down the road, I see a pond. I say, hmm, look, I wonder if there's fish in there. I wonder if that guy would let me go fishing on his property. That, that's just me. I'm looking for water. Noah built this ark, and there's no water around. No water. What's the first question you think those people are going to ask? Noah, what you building? Boat. What? Uh, Noah, there's no water around. Doesn't matter. Doing what God said. Uh, what are you going to do with it? Going to get in it. Ain't much else you can... What, what, I mean, what else you going to... What are you thinking? Noah, have you lost your mind? Well, I mean, they, they already thought he lost his mind. I mean, that, was, that wasn't even a question. I'm sure he's lost his mind, right? He's building this ark. By the way, he had three sons. He had three sons that helped him. I suspect, I don't know this, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I suspect that Noah hired people from the city, from the town. Help us, help me build this ark. I, I, don't, I don't know that Noah and his family could build that thing by themselves. 450 foot long. The wood had to be cut. They didn't have, they didn't have 450 foot boards down at the lumber yard. You know, they didn't have all this down there. They could just say, Call up Lowe's, hey, bring this over here, deliver this to us. We need this, this supplies, all these things, bring it on. They didn't do that. They had to go cut it down. They had to drag it back. They had to get it there. You know, I, I, and I don't, know how, I don't know how long it took them to build this, but they're building this ark. Now, folks, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, uh, how many of you how many of you have been to the ark that they built? Where's it at, in Kentucky or wherever it's at? How many of you? A lot of people. Okay, several of you have been. I, I suspect if it was in this town, I suspect that every one of you would have already been. I suspect that we, my wife and I, we would have been up here to look at it too. But since it's in Kentucky, we hadn't made that, hadn't made that trip there yet. But can you imagine anybody in that area that didn't know that there was an ark being built in Noah's backyard? I bet you I bet you everybody anywhere around there, people from all over the country, they're coming. They want to see this ark. Noah, ask him the same. Noah, what are you doing? Noah, there's no water around. Noah, what you gonna do with it? Noah, Noah, Noah. And 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 I, you know, if he if he could have had a recording, I'm sure he would have just he would have just taped that, put a video, 
camera there, so when you come up for the tour, you come up, the first thing he says is, I don't know, I'm just doing what God told me to do. So he wouldn't have to answer that a thousand times. But here's Noah, he's building this ark, and he's doing it day after day after day for years on end, and people all the time are asking him. By the way, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so as Noah was building that ark, he was preaching to those people. And he was telling them, folks, listen, I don't understand all about this, but judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Folks, I don't know, what, I don't know how all this is going to work out, but God told me to build this boat. Judgment's coming. You better be ready. You better be prepared. You better, you better be ready. And by the way, if you want to, you can come and get on the ark with me. Now, folks, I'm just going to tell you, if you got on the ark, if you got on the ark with Noah, do you know, you know everybody in that area would have known you, that's what you said you was going to do. And they would have laughed at you and mocked you just like they was doing Noah. You would have had to make a stand. You would have had to make a conscious decision. You would have had to say, folks, listen, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else does. I I'm going to get on that ark because I believe that God is going to judge this place. Do you know that's the same thing people have to do today? If you're going to get saved, you're going to get on the ark today, you're going to have to say, you're going to have to get to the point where you say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I believe God is going to judge this world. Now, I don't want to face it. I want to get on the ark. I want to trust Christ as my Savior. You know, the, the ark is a picture. It's a representation of Jesus Christ. Everybody that was in the ark, everybody in the ark was saved. Everybody in the ark was safe. Everybody in the ark was immune to the judgment of God. If you, if you are in Christ today, exact, the same thing is exactly true for you. You're going to be safe. You're going to be saved. And you're going to be immune from the judgment of God. Folks, listen. The ark, the ark was a picture of safety. And those folks, by the way, I, I read and I had, I had a thought. And I thought to myself, I wonder if Noah had any brothers and sisters. I believe probably his mom and dad were dead, were dead at this time. But you know the Bible says that Noah had brothers, brothers, so at least two, and sisters, at least two. two at least two brothers, at least two sisters. Noah had. They didn't get on the ark. They didn't get on the ark. No nephews, cousins, nobody. Noah, his three boys, their wives, and, and of course Miss Noah, they're the only ones. Eight people got on the ark. Eight people heard the message, made a decision. I believe that. I'm going to get on the ark. Eight people. All all, all, all else perished. All, all, all else faced the judgment of God. 
They said, I, not, I, I, don't, I, I just don't believe that stuff. I don't believe God's going to judge sin. I don't believe God's going to judge the world. I'll just take my chances. Eight people were saved. Eight people. Now, folks, can I just tell you that the same thing is true today? You know, there's people, there's people, and thank the Lord for everybody, everybody that tells somebody else about the judgment that's coming. Thank the Lord for everybody that does it. By the way, we, every one of us should be doing that. Every one of us should be doing it. If, you, hey, if, you're, if you're on the ark, if you've got a place on the ark, you need to be telling somebody else to get on there with you. And, and folks, listen, that, that, that's, number one, that's number one job for us. But folks, can I just tell you that we can't get anybody on the ark. We can't drag anybody on the ark with us. They have to get on there. They're saying. They have to make a conscious decision. That's what they're going to do. They have to do it. But folks, listen, I, I tell you, they, they need to hear the message. They need to hear it. And we need to be telling it. Now, here's, here's, here's a simple invitation. You know, when we give an invitation, when I give an invitation, this is, this is my thought. You've heard, you've heard what God said. You've heard it. Now, what are you going to do? It's up to you. You're going to have to make a decision. What are you going to do? Are you going to, if you're here this morning and you're lost, I want you to hear and believe and I want you to come and let us take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Lead you in a prayer. By the way, I was at a graveside service, at a, at a, at a funeral, graveside service, uh, just, just a week or so ago. And I told about, I told about uh, Jesus standing at the door knocking. And I, I said, Jesus is knocking. All you got to do is answer the door. Let him in. He'll, he'll come in. And I had a young man, 20 years of age, after, after the service, I was standing over talking, and he came up and he says, I'm going to take you up on your offer. I need to be saved. 20 years of age, at a cemetery, got saved. Folks, listen, if you're here this morning, you're lost. Jesus is knocking. You've got to let him in. Let him in. Come in. You, you let him in. He'll, he'll come in. And you can be saved this morning. Won't you come? Let us take a Bible show you how to be saved. Christian, if you're here this morning and you've not been witnessing like you should, you need to come. Why don't you come and ask God to help you to be a better witness? Maybe you've got lost family members. Maybe you don't have, maybe your brothers and sisters are not, they're, they're not on the ark. They have no intention of getting on the ark. Won't you come and pray for them? Maybe it's a mom and dad. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's, some, maybe it's your children. I don't know. You've got people that's lost in your life. People that's lost in your family. You come. Why don't you come and ask God to help you? Get on your knees and pray and ask God to help you. You know, you, you never, you just never know what God's going to do. Why don't you come? The invitation is for everybody this morning. Why don't you come and let God work in your heart. Uh, would you bow your heads? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's just all stand if we could. And the lady's going to play stands of invitation. Invitation's for you this morning. Why don't you come? Let God speak to your heart. If you're here this morning and you're lost, why don't you 
why don't you come and and uh, let us take a Bible and show you how to be saved? Won't you do that? Boy, the greatest thing in the world you can ever do, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, 